Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today the closing in the letter. The book of Jude is a treasure chest of facts and illustrations. It is the thunderbolt hurled from on high. It sounds the alarm for us in this Laodicean church age, an age marked by lukewarmness in the church pew, by rank apostasy in the seminary, and by liberalism in the pulpit itself today in our churches. And can I just say, amen, I agree with everything that I just said right there. We are living in the Laodicean church age. That lukewarm, when you go to the book of Revelation, chapter number 3, and you begin reading in verse number 14 about that Laodicean church age, it closes out, chapter number 4 begins, and you know what happens in chapter number 4, don't you? Well, let me tell you, since you don't, the good Lord himself's coming back. They saw a door in heaven opened up, and guess what? In chapter number four, honey, we're getting out of here. You say, no, we're going through three and a half years of the tribulation. You can if you want to, but old John ain't. Chapter number four, we leave. Oh, boy, I like chapter number 19. I like to ride horses, amen. We're coming back with him in chapter number 19, praise God. And we're not going to be battling in chapter number 19. We're going to watch him as he battles. Amen. And he's saying this right before the Lord comes back. It's going to be a Laodicean church age. That's where we're at. He said they're neither hot nor cold, but they're lukewarm. You know what Jesus says? He said, I'd rather for you to be cold than to be lukewarm. He said, I'd rather for you to be hot than to be lukewarm. You know what happens so many times today in our churches? They're full of lukewarmness. Now, somebody help me tonight and we'll get done quicker. That's where so many people live at tonight. They come to church. They sit on the church pew. They may say even amen while the preacher's preaching. They may be faithful Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. But how is your relationship with God Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday? How is your Bible reading? How is your prayer life? If it's not Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, honey, I'm sorry, but you're living a Laodicean church age. Boy, there's so much more than lukewarmness. There's so much more to this thing than sitting on the chair. There's so much more to it than just preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Thank God I've got a Savior that walks with me on Monday and talks with me on Monday. I've got a Bible that speaks to me on Monday. I've got a God that allows me to have a relationship with Him on Monday. If all it is is coming to church. Uh, You don't know a real relationship with God but if you've ever had a great relationship with Him, you don't want to live a lukewarm life. I didn't have none of that in my notes but it all fits. Boy, I'm glad it's more than coming to church Brother Stan. It's amen, it's so much more than that. Jude is saying that this Laodicean church age is coming. 
Judah's the man for our apostate age. His trumpet, Judah's the man in the book for our apostate age. His trumpet sounds the imminent coming of Christ. His voice is the last to speak to us in our Bible for before the apocalypse takes place. Jude is the 65th book of the Bible. Revelations is the next and final book of the Bible. Revelations deals with the rapture of the church. Jude deals with the coming of apostasy. The book of Acts is one of the first pages of church history as we know it today. The church was empowered by the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts. In these last days, the apostates are empowered by Satan himself. James in his generation epistle writes about good works. Jude in his general epistle writes about evil works though. In the beginning Jude is going to write on salvation when you study it out. I believe that he had all intentions of writing on salvation because he deals with that. He said, Beloved, I gave all diligence to write unto you on the common salvation. But God changes his mind and he ends up writing on creeps inside the church. Boy, that didn't go over too good. But that's what he writes on, Brother Jeff. It's creeps. He said they have crept in unaware. He says the reason that we contend for the faith, the reason we stand for what's right, it's because there's a bunch of creeps coming in. I, I was studying years ago, and this just come back to my remembrance. I ain't thought about it in years gives me hope that some of my brain may start working again. But I, I was studying years ago on counterfeit. And here's what I found out. Those that works for the Treasury for the United States, when they study a $100 bill, they study uh, to see if it's a counterfeit. They never look at counterfeit money. They only look at the real thing. And they learn the real thing so much that they know immediately if it's not the real thing. You say, preacher, what are you saying? Study the real thing so much that when a creep walks in, said they crap in unaware. You know the reason, oh boy, I'm trying to move on tonight, but I, I'm telling you, I could preach an hour. I, I'm going to tell you something. Let me tell you the reason so many people don't know it. When creeps come into church and they ended up busting the church into a million pieces, it's because they're a Laodicean church. Uh, they're just lukewarm. They don't know what the move of God. I'm going to tell you something. A preacher can stand up. He can scream. He can holler. He can read the Bible. He can build emotions. Uh, but that does not mean he's got the power of God on his life. It don't matter how loud they scream. It don't matter how quiet they are. It don't matter how much Bible they read. You know when a preacher has the power of God on his life, if you're in tune with the Holy Ghost, if you're lukewarm, you'll not know that. And you'll have a creep preaching to you if you're not careful. Amen. They crept in unaware. Crept in unaware. Jude is saying, uh, you need to know this. Peter prophesied that false teachers would come. Listen to what he said in 2 Peter chapter 2. Now, you remember I said they kind of go hand in hand together. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers 
among you who probably shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Chapter 3, verse 3 said this in Second Peter. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. What Jude is saying is this. What Peter prophesied of and what Peter said was going to happen is happening. And if Jude said it was happening then, how much more is it happening today? How much more? The other day I, I was talking to an individual. He's, no, he's from nowhere around here, okay? So it wasn't no church around here. He's a buddy of mine. <clears throat> and I seen him the other day and we sat down together and talked a while. That's good to do every once in a while, just sit down and talk. We sat down a while, just called up and talked a while and he told me, he said, man, I've been praying for you. I'm glad you're feeling better. And he said, he started crying. He's been faithful to his church for years. He's a, 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 a dominant person in his church. He said, preacher, he said, please pray for my church. I said, okay. He said, preacher, it's a mess. He said, we had to, had to ask the pastor and his family to leave. I said, oh, no, brother. And I called him by name. And I said, uh, I, I'll be praying for you. He proceeded to tell me why. I didn't ask him why. But he proceeded, and I started to stop him, but I could tell he needed to talk to somebody about it. And he knew I wasn't going to say nothing. I was from nowhere around where he went to church at. He proceeded to tell me, boy, I drove off, and, 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 and as I drove off, I, I thought in the back of my mind, our churches are in a mess today. There's a lot of preachers standing in, let me back up and rephrase that. There's a lot of men standing in the pulpit today that's nothing but creepy crawlers in a church. It's nothing more than a paycheck to them. That's all it is. Dakota, many of y'all know that Brother Dakota has took a church and is pastoring that church now. And... Uh, I'm excited for him. I think he's going to do great at it. We talked about it. And, and, and the, the Monday after they voted him, or the Monday after his first Sunday as a pastor, he came up here. He sat down in the office with me, and we began to talk. And I said, well, how was your day yesterday? You know, how'd it go? And he was telling me about it. And I said, well, praise God. I said, well, I said, Brother Dakota, I said, I know that you've come off the mission field, you know, and you're going to lose all your support. And I said, uh, is the church going to be able to help you? He looked at me and tears swelled up in his eyes. He said, preacher, you'll never believe it. And I said, well, what's that? He said, whenever I went to preach and candidate at the church, he said, they started to talk to me about money. And I looked at him and said, I'm not interested in anything you got to say about money. I don't want to know what you can pay me, what you can't pay me. I'm not coming for that. I'm going to candidate in the church. If you vote me in as pastor, after you vote me in as pastor, then we'll sit down and talk about that. But the reason I'm coming, if I come, is because God called me here and not because what you can or can't pay me. And I said, well, that's right, son. Brother Robert would testify to what I'm fixing to say. I never talked to Brother Robert. He was the only deacon when I took this church about money at the church. I said, God, give me peace about it, and I'll come. And it was after that that we talked about it. 
Brother Dakota, I said, well, good. I said, I, I, are they going to be able to help you much at all? And uh, tears swelled up in his eyes. He said, preacher, he said, they asked me what my support was. He said, I told them what my support was. And he said, they matched it 100%. He said, I'm going to be able to be full-time at the church and be able to work full-time in the church and labor full-time in the church. Can I tell you something? An apostate, a creepy crawler, would have walked in there and wanted to know the money, then talked about whether or not they would have come. Our, our pulpits are full to... They won't preach against things. They're not going to ruffle anybody's feathers. They're not going to take a stand. And you know what Jude's saying right here? He's saying you better earnestly contend for the faith because there's men creeping in our churches today. I, uh, I, <laughs> I, I'm going to give you this and then I'm going to be done at 645. I, I, I'm, I'm seven points from being done, but watch this. They some people visits the church, and I I'll say I say this to the deacons every once in a while, or to one of them, or somebody that I truly trust in the church. I'll say this: I said, Brother Robert, I just don't know about that one. I something just ain't right. My spirit just don't bear witness with them. He'll say, you know, preacher, <laughs> I'm right there with you. You know what we do? We love them. We preach the gospel to them. But that's probably about all. Probably not going to ask them to teach a Sunday school class. Amen. Let me tell you the reason why. There's something that's not bearing witness. I'm not saying anybody in this room's like that. I'm saying there has been times that people has visited. Are you with me right there? You said, Preacher, you ought not be like that. Well, listen, I love you too much, and I've invested too much into this church to sit back and let somebody come in and bust her in a million pieces, honey. I'm just not going to do it. He said that we earnestly contend for the faith. Jude gives seven Old Testament examples of how God judged or condemned these false teachers, those who and those who followed them. Doing this, Jude is showing us that this falling away from sound doctrine is not something that's new. It's something that's been going on for years. Look in verse 5. I'm going to give them to you quick. I've got seven points. I'll give them to you quick. Look, he uses Israel in verse 5. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them that believed not. He uses Israel. God delivered Israel from Egypt and its plagues, but afterward had to destroy unbelievers. Jude made it clear that these men are not believers. As a matter of fact, verse 19 states that they do not have the Spirit. Merely being in the church is no evidence of salvation. Many Jews were in the nation, yet destroyed because of their sin. 
So number one, he uses Israel. Number two, he uses the fallen angels as an illustration in verse number six. Look what he says. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved an everlasting change unto darkness, unto the judgment of the great day. Jude seems to be referring to the angels who consorted with the daughters of men in Genesis 6. This was Satan's scheme to corrupt the human race and thus prevent the birth of the promised seed. You know what he does? He labels them and he condemns them. Matter of fact, he talks about, and I'm not going to go into that, chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. I believe he's referring to hell. Number three uses Sodom and Gomorrah in verse number seven. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. The phrase in like manner suggests that the sins of these cities parallel the fornication of the angels in verse number 6. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 6 through 8 discuss these wicked cities. Jude says the judgment of those cities is an illustration of hell. What did he say? Here's what he said. Look again. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. The only eternal fire is hell tonight. Amen. That is the only eternal fire. And can I say something to you tonight? That judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah is a representation of the judgment of hell. And I'm going to tell you, those who live that lifestyle, unless they are saved by the grace of God, will die and go to a place called hell. And if they are saved by the grace, hear me and hear me well. If they are, I said if, I said if, capital I, capital F, they are saved, they will turn from their wicked ways and will begin a new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please don't die on me right there or I will bog in and preach about three hours on that. If they're saved. If they're not saved... The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to Every man has a chance at salvation. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. We're living in that day right there. He's saying these days are coming. We're living in that day. The mess of this world and the lifestyle of Sodom and Gomorrah is so pushed down our throat today. I get stinking sick and tired of it. Read the Word of God where it says mark them and have nothing to do with them. I'm not yoking up with them. I'm not being buddies with them. I'll tell them Jesus loves them. I'll be kind to them. But at the end of the day, if they don't get saved by the grace of God, they'll die and go to hell. 
don't give me the argument that they was born that way. And if they was born that way, they still have a choice to make whether to reject God or accept God. So even if you do believe that, they still have a choice to make. And it's up to them if they're going to reject the sin of their life, if they're going to... And a preacher that won't preach against it is a creep. He's a creepy crawler. Amen. That's exactly right. Verse number 8 through 10, he deals with Michael and Moses. Michael the archangel is the special angel of Israel according to Daniel 12. The reference here seems to be to the burial of Moses in Deuteronomy 34. God will bring Moses back as one of the witnesses of the Jews during the tribulation period in Revelation 11. But Satan tried to secure the body. Jude points points to this, uh, that the archangel did not rebuke Satan for this takes more authority than Michael really had. The angel allowed God to do the rebuking. These false teachers in their pride uh, despise authority and speak evil of holy things in their sin of ignorance. He talks about Cain, verse number 11. The example takes us back to Genesis 4, where Cain appears at the altar without the blood sacrifice. The way of Cain is the way of a man-made religion, rejecting the revelation of God and the blood of our Savior. I'm telling you, that's where we're at today. That's where, oh, we can get to heaven anyway. No, you're going to go through the blood of Jesus, honey, or you're not going to go. Then he talks about Balaam. The era of Balaam involved leading others into sin for personal gain. Balaam knew the truth, but deliberately leads Israel into sin that he might make money in Numbers 22 through 25. Then number seven, last of all, but not least of all, he talks about Korah in verse number 11. The story of Korah is found in Numbers chapter number 16. Korah and his followers rejected the divine authority given to Moses and tried to assume um, um, a posure for themselves. False teachers promote themselves and override the authority of God's servant. They will be judged as were Korah and his followers. Matter of fact, Korah rejected Moses and the authority of Moses, which in typology is a picture of a pastor of a local church. They rejected that, went against him. And you know what happened? The center of the earth opened up and they fell off into hell in Numbers chapter number 16. Can I just say this? And it's hard to say this, but I'm going to say it. When you go against a man of God, you're a creepy crawler in the church. You say, I just don't agree with him on everything. You know what? I probably don't agree with you on everything. (laughs) Amen. We sat around and talked long enough. We don't find something, brother Eric, that we don't agree on. Are you with me? Dallas Cowboys is the best football team that's ever been. Michael Jordan's the best basketball player that's ever been. Tar Heels is the best college basketball team that there is. There's no way that I'm going to pull for a demon or a devil. God help you, sir. I preach against demons and devils. They're creeps. (laughs) You need to earnestly contend for the faith. 
We talk long enough, we're going to find something that we disagree on. Look up in there. We can't disagree on the major doctrines of this Bible. They some th it's like I said a while ago. There's some things, there's some things, here, here's one thing that, that I'm dogmatic about. At the church I pastor, I want a wood pulpit. I go to Nehemiah chapter number 8. Are you with me? That's me. If you got a glass pulpit and ask me to come preach for you, I'll try not to break it. Every year I preach behind glass. I'm not going to split hairs with you over that. You understand what I'm saying? But when it comes to salvation by faith through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's time to separate. That's the time to mark them. If they don't believe it that way, I, hey, look, I'm all, I'm all the way to the point of eternal security. Man don't believe in eternal security, he's not going to preach in this pulpit. I believe, Brother Kevin Broyhill just done a great podcast on separation. Go on to the Preacher's Podcast. It's two episodes. He, he done three on alcohol. I'm listening to them right now. But I believe what the Bible says, the Bible means, and what it means it says, the husband of one wife is to be the preacher. And not one wife at a time. It's to be the husband of one wife. I believe it's so strict that I will not preach for somebody if I know it, if they're not the husband of one wife. There is doctrines that we stand on tonight. And he says this, we earnestly contend. Why? Because people are creeping in unaware. He said certain men kept in unaware so what you need to do is you need to earnestly contend. He gives us those seven examples. Now we're going to go verse by verse through this. Here's what I wrote down. I heard Brother Tony say this on Monday night preaching. One of the best statements I've ever heard him say. He was, I don't know if you caught this Monday night but he said this. He said come start playing softly. He didn't say that. Here's what he said. He said, you're either contending or you're compromising. Now let me say that again. I'm giving him credit for it, but it's good. I ought not give him credit for it. main reason I did is because Matt and Mandy was there, and I figured they, they heard it. He said, you're either contending or you're compromising. Boy, that's the truth tonight. You know what? We can contend and not compromise and still practice verse 22 of Jude. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And of some have compassion, making a difference. You can still love people. You can, you can still love people. You can still be kind to people. I, I, I'm around people that don't believe the way I do every week. Now that I'm, I'm not completely better, I'm really close to being completely better. I, I'm, last week I wasn't back to a full week of my routine. I was till Wednesday, and I'm just going to be real honest with you, Wednesday night after church. I just, 
I about collapsed again. And I realized I'm not 100% better yet. I'll probably collapse tonight after church. But I, I was back to more of a routine. And Thursday, I was actually able to talk to a lady, and her husband had the exact same thing happen to him that I had happened to start Rocky Mountains for. I mean, exact same thing. She told me, she said, it took my husband six months before he ever completely got better. And it helped me to hear that because I didn't feel as bad because I thought I'm supposed to be better in six weeks. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be better, but I ain't yet. But listen to me. I was around some people last week that I've not been around in a while, and I will begin being around again because I'm trying to get back in my routine that I was in before I got sick. And you know what? They live a different lifestyle than I do. Completely. I mean completely. And you know what they've done? Man, it's good to see you. I've missed you. I said, well, I missed you too. I love you. Well, I love you. You say, well, preacher, the way you just preached, it's a wonder anybody talked to you. You can take a stand and be kind. Amen. I used to think, boy, I used to. And it's a wonder they didn't run me off from here the first few years. Son, I was meaner than a junkyard dog. I preached against everything, and I'd move things to preach against, and I'd think up things that nobody had ever thought of before and probably never was just to preach against those things. Are you with me? I was talking to a preacher the other day, and I said, I guess I've got soft. He said, no, it's not that we get soft. He said, I just think we mature a little bit. And we learn better how to deal with things as we get older. I agree with that. I've not compromised. I still believe in the King James Bible. I still believe in salvation by grace. I still believe a lady ought to look like a lady and a man ought to look like a man. I still believe in modest apparel. Matter of fact, I started to preach tonight on things I'm against. And just, just so you know, I'm still against some things. I am. You say, what are you against? You ain't got an hour. And you probably couldn't handle it all, just to be honest. But we learn to handle things with compassion. Sodom and Gomorrah was wrong, and those that lived that lifestyle are going to die and go to hell if they don't get saved. But if all we do is scream in their face and point our, our, our finger in their face, they're ne we're never going to win them to Jesus. We're never going to win them to Jesus. There's a feller. I'm done. I, I promise you, I'm done. There's a feller sits on his front porch every day, every day that I go through there. And you can go through there at 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, but Josh, and he's got this great big bottle of beer already out sitting there drinking it. I've stopped several times and talked to him. And you know what? This week, he's going to be sitting out there again. I'm going to stop again. You know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to walk up to him and say, listen here, Hoss, you're going to drink yourself into hell. Let me tell you something, that bottle's not going to send him to hell. That alcohol is not going to send him. Let me tell you what's going to send him to hell. Rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's going to send him to hell. And can I just say something? 
That man may be saved. Boy, it got quiet then, didn't it? That man may be saved. Got hurt in church at some time in his life. Are you with me? Second Peter chapter 1. Hath forgotten that he was purged from his sin. He's walked away from God. I'm not saying a saved man can't drink alcohol. I'm saying a saved man that's right with God can't. Because he says, abstain from the very appearance of evil. He says, woe unto a man that puts strong drink to his neighbor's lip. He said, don't even look on it if it moves itself. I, I don't have time to preach on all that. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. It's all in the Bible. It's wrong. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop. I'm going to see that man. I'm going to sit down on this porch with him. Matter of fact, I'm going to probably stop before I get there and get me one of them. Pumpkin things that Miss Stephanie started making over at the coffee shop. What's it called? <laughs> I don't think we need to be talking about cold brew right now. This <laughs> is <laughs> well, might as well give an altar call. Financial secretary at the church is serving pumpkin cold brew. It's coffee, okay? Pumpkin cream cold brew. I'm going to stop and get one of them. I'm going to sit down on his front porch with him. I'm just going to talk to him a little while. Then, Brother Charles, I'm going to tell him that Jesus loves him and that Jesus will change his life. Because we take a stand don't mean that we hate everybody. It means that we love everybody. And we're showing them there is a difference. If they never see a difference, why would they ever want what we've got? Let's earnestly contend. We're either contending or we're compromising. Let's contend for the faith. Father, as we stand.